Welcome to Food for Thoughts, the show that aims to make a comprehensive guide to a healthy lifestyle by introducing digestible scientific content about neonutrition. I'm your host, Bifern, and I'm thrilled to have you join us for today. Today, we have a distinguished guest, a renowned professor in microbiology, Professor Conway. She has made significant contributions to the field of gut microbiome. Professor Conway not only conducts groundbreaking research, but also shares her expertise as a beloved professor at Nanyang Tech University and University of New South Wales. I am thrilled to have her today to explore the fascinating world of microbiology. Welcome, Professor Conway. Thanks so much, Bayfern, and it is indeed a pleasure to join you today and hope we have many more listeners passionate about microbiology after today. Thank you so much. Um, I would like to start by asking more about your background in microbiology. Could you please tell us more about that? Well, I started at university determined to be a chemist, and then I learned about microbiology, and I decided living microbes was much more fascinating than chemistry, which I then decided was very boring. And then I started a project um, where I was looking at hyperactive children and understood that there was a link between what they ate and their hyperactivity behavior which I was then also able to show it was linked to the bacteria that were living in their intestine. So from there, I was hooked on gut microbiology. Oh, I see. That sounds really interesting. And we'll definitely get more into your research later on in the episode. And I wanted to start by talking about the basics of probiotics. So probiotics have been making a wave in the world of nutrition and wellness, and for a good reason. These tiny microorganisms are often referred to as good bacteria and play a pivotal role in maintaining the balanced and harmonious ecosystem within our bodies. So, Professor Conway, could you start by introducing what are probiotics? Uh, It was a really good introduction to what probiotics are. And basically, they are a preparation of live microorganisms which have been shown to have a beneficial effect on the host. That effect can either be affecting the bacteria that are already in the host or preventing pathogens from um, establishing or doing all sorts of beneficial things like triggering an immune response, which we can talk about in a little while. Oh, I see. So you would say that those are like the main roles of probiotics or are there any other particular roles that they contribute to? Uh, well, I'm assuming we're, well, let's restrict our conversation of probiotics to the ones that you orally ingest because you can also get probiotics for the skin and all sorts of um, other applications. But in terms of ingested probiotics, we know that they can influence the microbes that are in the intestine and thereby um, having more of what we call the good bacteria in the intestine. Mm, I see. So what is the gut microbiome? Because I heard you talking about the bacteria. (laughs) Yes, so the gut microbiome is probably a topic that everybody is hearing at some point today in some news item or magazines or news flashes and saying the gut microbiome, it's really important. So what it is, it's the term is referring to all of the bacteria that live in the intestine of humans. And we've got trillions and trillions In fact, we have um, many more bacteria in our intestine than we have body cells. 
And those little guys that can be, it's a mix of hundreds and hundreds of different types. And that's the importance of them. Sometimes we get a good balance of the good and the bad. If you get too many of the bad, that's when you need the probiotics to put more of those good bacteria into our intestine. I see. So what would you say is like um, the most important factor in maintaining a healthy gut microbiome? Basically, you can say we are what we eat. And if the gut microbes are doing all those things that are affecting the health of your the host, you need to feed the bacteria. And so if you have a diet of too much simple sugar, you're only having the simple sugars reaching the bacteria. And unfortunately, it's those nasty little bacteria that love sugar and they grow really well. But if you give them complex sugars like we get in fruit and vegetables, then you give the good guys a chance to grow. So to have a, everything in moderation and a healthy diet of um, fruit and vegetables, lots of fiber, the good bacteria like lots of fiber too. I see. So then for our listeners today, why do you think that probiotics have become more well-known in the past few years? And also, why do you think this topic is so important for us to hear about? It's becoming very important because the concept of probiotics dates back to the early 1900s when a Russian scientist proposed that eating fermented yogurt was good for health and, and for longevity. But then antibiotics were invented and we didn't need probiotics because antibiotics were there. But sadly, um, there's a lot of antimicrobial resistance developing now. And the use of some of our favoured antibiotics is being limited because there's lots of bad guys that are becoming resistant to those antibiotics. So we do need alternatives to antibiotics now to, for, for health benefits. And if we can keep good bacteria in our intestine, then we're more resilient to infections. I see. So then, um, as you mentioned just now, you can become like more resistant to these um, harmful pathogens, right? So how does the microbes in our body affect our immune system? Ah, the... Um, the bacteria, we, we know that in the intestine we have many immune sampling sites and it's those sampling sites that are looking at what's in the intestine and they look at what microbes are there and also what um, end products the bacteria are producing in the intestine and that's what triggers the immune system that affects the whole body. So you get triggers of the, at those immune sampling sites that then passes through the blood bloodstream and the lymph system to all organs in the body. So those gut microbes that are in the intestine affect all of the organs in our body. Oh, I see. So then um, these microbes, what do they um, actually do to affect our organs? So the microbes are producing metabolites, and one of the and that's what they are the chemicals they produce as they grow, and some of those what we call metabolites um, are, for example, butyric acid, and this has been known to have lots of beneficial effects on the host, 
it gets um, passed into the bloodstream and delivered to lots of cells in the body where it's used as a, a food for the body cells. And the, uh, the bacteria itself can trigger the immune cells to produce antibodies to protect the host. And we have antibodies that are nonspecific. In other words, whatever bad bacteria gets into your intestine, those non-specific ones can mop, mop it up. So the bacteria in the gut can trigger those protective immunoglobulins. I see. So it's like the bacteria's trigger an inflammatory response, and then the microbes produce these metabolites, and then the metabolites carry on the immune response afterwards. Yes, and, and part of the immune system is um, to trigger inflammation. We need inflammation to cure infection, but we don't want too much inflammation. And that's what the microbes and what their metabolites are doing is, is controlling that inflammatory response so that you get enough inflammation to cure an infection, but you don't get too much. If you get too much, there's lots of diseases, um, especially of the elderly, that are linked to too much inflammation in the body. So we've got to try to make sure we get some inflammation to protect, but not too much. Oh, I see. Could you um, give some examples of the type of um, responses that the elderly have when they have like too much inflammation? Yeah, well, there's cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. They're the metabolic diseases that are triggered by an inflammatory response. And inflammation has also been linked to um, some urological conditions as well and memory loss. Oh, I see. That really connects to our next topic of conversation. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the gut-brain connection because it's the newest discovery in the field of the gut microbiome. Could you explain um, more about the relationship between the gut microbiome and brain health? Yeah, the, the gut-brain axis is an interesting term, um, and it is, as you say, very, very one of the most recent areas of expansion of, of gut microbiome impact. So we know that microbes cannot penetrate the brain um, because they, they're too big, but their metabolites um, can uh, pass through the blood and into the brain and have an effect. And we know that some of the um, metabolites of the bacteria in the intestine are triggers, and we call them neurotransmitters. They trigger the nerves that send signals to the brain. And the brain has a really long nerve that runs and wraps itself around the intestine, and we call that the vagus nerve. So the bacteria that are in the intestine are producing these compounds that send signals via that vagus nerve up to the brain. And it's a two-way stream. So the brain also sends signals down to the intestine. And so if um, there's a, a flight situation or fear, the brain sends a signal to the gut to react. And, um, yeah, it's so we, we call it a two-way or bidirectional pathway. And oh, it is very much affecting the, the, the gut and the brain. And the brain is so important in the elderly. And so a healthy gut microbiome 
can delay or prevent the development of old age dementia, for example. Mm-hmm. So then, um, would you say that an imbalance in the gut microbiome like contribute to neuro- neurological um, conditions and also mental health disorders as well? Absolutely. And this was first recognized because patients, when they were given antibiotics, which kill a lot of gut bacteria, suddenly had an improvement in their neurological conditions. And autistic children, um, depression, pain. And so that's when studies and research started to look at it's got to be the gut microbes that are doing it. So they would then take gut bacteria from healthy and and initially in mice, put them into uh, and and take um, stool samples from, for example, hyperactive children, put them into mice and they could trigger similar uh, reactions and behavior so that we know that it's very clear if we can get a a healthy microbiome, we can decrease um, depression, anxiety neurological conditions yeah that's a really interesting connection between the two because you probably would have never have thought that like the food that you eat actually like affects your personality and affects how you feel well when i started in gut microbiology and then probiotics there was a long list of what probiotics were believed to be able to do and and i said that's not possible it's it's not a silver bullet it can only fix things in the intestine And then as I was carrying out studies, I realized that people in my clinical studies where I was fixing their intestine, I was fixing their skin conditions. They were feeling better. They were happier. So, yes, it's it's fascinating just how far-reaching the impact of a healthy microbiome is. Yes, of course. So, and what would you say, like, in the future? Could you talk more about, like, the potential role of probiotics that it might hold? in modulating like either gut-brain axis or supporting brain health or even our immune system? I think it's a huge opportunity, especially these days when we're trying to avoid um, pharmaceutical agents and focus is on health and risk reduction rather than intervention. So that if we can stay healthy, then we don't need the drugs that are needed to reverse clinical conditions and disease. So I think probiotics is an expanding field because the general public want to be healthy and not end up with disease. So if we can, by what we eat and probiotics and our gut microbiome, stay healthy, we're going to have a... And and it's all about not getting an extended lifespan, but quality of life. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it'll be time to move on to our next topic of conversation, with, which is about your research. I know you talked before that you've done research that got you into like the gut microbiome <laughs> with um, the hyperactive children. Could you tell me about more about the research you have conducted and what was your research focus and objectives and how did you get into it? Well, as as you mentioned, I got into it because I could see that diet was impacting behavior and 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 gut health. So um, for years now, my research has been focusing on how do we manipulate the microbiome so that we've got the good guys 
and thereby protecting the, the host from the bad guys. So I started looking at and the fact that we are what we eat, finding and exploring food compounds and probiotics and prebiotics to have a good effect on the gut microbes. Now, I just use the term prebiotic as well as the probiotic. We've talked about probiotic. A prebiotic is a complex sugar that the good bacteria use and the bad bacteria can't. Now, I mentioned before that with a healthy diet, we want to have complex carbohydrates. We want to have fibers. We don't want to have those simple sugars. That's what we're effectively calling a, a prebiotic because it's um, passing through the upper regions of the intestine and it reaches the lower regions where all of the bacteria are. And so you put in food that feeds the good bacteria, you're more healthy. So one of the prebiotic compounds we've looked at was honey. Now everybody loves honey because it tastes nice and it's sweet, but there's and there's a, a lot of glucose and fructose, the simple sugars in honey, but there's also a very small amount of these more complex sugars. And they're the ones that I've shown are utilized by the good bacteria. And so I have fed in a clinical study um, different honeys to subjects and shown that they actually had better gut microbiome profile and metabolites of the microbes when they were eating particular honeys. And I then took the study further into the laboratory and was able to show that the honey also triggered down-regulated inflammatory responses. So the honey story is very exciting that it does a good thing to the microbes and the honey itself triggers an anti-inflammatory response as well as allowing the growth of the good bacteria that in turn also down-regulate an inflammatory response. Wow, that's so that really exciting. Yeah, that's really cool because I think a lot of us might think that honey is like something that might be a bit unhealthy because it's so sweet. But actually, exactly. um, as you said, they have like a lot of really good benefits to for our health. Yeah. And so we, we took the concept of honey and extended it into putting it together with oats and a probiotic. So I'm bringing back in, I've done a lot of work with probiotics mm -hmm. as well and isolated particular probiotic strains that have health benefits in terms of setting up the right gut microbes. And so we fermented oats with honey and these good probiotics and produced a, a fermented beverage that's non-dairy and then tested it in our laboratory models and showed that it had a good effect on gut microbes and gave us the right profiles and lots of that good butyrate that's really good for the body. So I'm, yeah, we're doing exciting things in the lab. Wow, I see. So how do you think you're, um, what do you think about the future direction of this type of research? What do you think about your next steps? Ah, uh, the next steps is to find, and I'm very interested in the Chinese medicines mm -hmm. and also the Indian, because these cultures have been alive for, living for so long without antibiotics and so there's lots of things in the the Chinese medicine and the Indian medicines that if put together with um, the science so basically by science I try to understand mechanisms of what's happening so that we can predict when it will happen and when it won't so we're putting combinations 
of some of these from traditional medicines together with probiotics and oh, prebiotics wow. such as the honey yeah. to get to get really on top of making sure we're, we're giving the intestines the things they need. That sounds really exciting, yeah. Um, so it's for targeting both the immune system, the neurological conditions and, and gut health. And if your gut's happy, the body's happy. <laughs> okay, so then I would like to also ask about some further knowledge that our listeners can apply to their lives. Um, but I would like to start off with some common misconceptions about probiotics. I've heard a lot of people um, believe that the more probiotics you eat, the better your health will be. And also the fact that all fermented food contains probiotics. Could you address these misconceptions? I certainly can. And it's something I really would like as a take-home message from this as well, because we're inundated with probiotics. And there are so many products on the shelves these, day, these days that are labeled as probiotics. Remember the definition I said a probiotic is a preparation of live bacteria which has a beneficial effect on the host. A lot of the products today that are labelled as probiotics have not necessarily had any beneficial effect demonstrated. So I always emphasise that it's the particular strain of bacteria that's in the product that influences if it's effective or not. And so, um, and, and the products that are saying they've got 25 billion bacteria in it, it does, or 50 billion, or 18 different types of bacteria. It doesn't matter how many are there or how many different types are there. It's the particular probiotic that's there. It's like we are Homo sapiens. So with the bacteria, and, and you know we have different names, the name of the bacteria is what's important because you know I'm very good at gut microbiology, but I'm a terrible tennis player. So <laughs> yeah, we, we have to look at bacteria in terms of what their name is and where is the evidence of what they've done. And if a strain has been shown, for example, a common one is called LGG. There's lots of studies with LGG. So the dose that's used in the studies is the dose that's needed to be effective in a product. So if a product has 25 billion bacteria in it, it might not need that many, but it may not be any good because it's only as good as the strain that's in the product. I see. So then how do we know which um, product we should use and which strain it will be actually beneficial for us? Well, there's, um, if a product doesn't say what the name of the bacteria that are in it, then there's no way you know if it's effective or not. Yeah, true. And, and, and they can put a different, for example, lactobacillus acidophilus. There's lots of different lactobacillus acidophilus. There's LA14, there's LGG. If they don't have that name, they can put a different probiotic in their product from batch to batch. But if they do put their name, then you can, go, you know, Google is wonderful these days. Mm -hmm. Anybody, anybody, even my, my mother at 85 and more was Googling to, to explore the world. So you get the, you look at a product, it may claim it's good for women's health. So then you can ask, how can it be doing that? And so then um, you, you look at what strain is in it. You look at what's known about that strain. 
and what is the clinical evidence for that strain and how it works. So there's lots of people doing lots of things like TikTok, but instead of doing TikTok next time, look at the product and search where's the evidence for what it does. Mm -hmm. I see. So we have to... Um, try to think about the supplements that we're taking and the spe- actual specific strand. Do you, what would you say is like the danger of consuming like the wrong, the wrong um strands? Well, this problem provided it's within a lact- the, what I call the lactic acid bacteria group. In other words, if it's a lactobacillus something, or if it's a bifidobacterium something. Um, it's probably safe because there are no known pathogens. And so therefore they're not harmful. And this is one of the reasons why some countries don't have much regulatory control over probiotics, especially the ones that are lactobacillus and bifidobacteria because there are no pathogens. So there's, there's little risk provided it's a lactobacillus or it's a bifidobacteria, provided the company has good quality control of their product and then is not contaminated with something else. So it may not do any good, but it's not going to harm them. Oh, okay. And and there's also concern about if you're taking too many. So the dose Mm -hmm. is often one per day. So if you take one per day, that's fine. But if you take two per day, the number of bacteria in that little capsule or that supplement compared to all of the bacteria you've got in the intestine, they're quite small. So there's not a lot of danger with overdosing either. Oh, then it would still be um, one capsule per day for someone who has like problems with their intestine? Well, it, it depends on the particular probiotic strain that's, that's in the product. But whatever the dose is on the product is the one that I would recommend. Mm, I see. Um, do you have any um, realistic tips that our listeners can use to help maintain a healthy gut microbiome? Yes. Um, drink lots of water. Mm-hmm. Eat healthy food. Yogurt and fermented products are, are good. They may not necessarily have added specific probiotic strains, but fermented products are good, but lots of fruit and vegetables. And be happy. <laughs> yes, of course. Would you say that um, yogurt and other fermented food will um, contain more or like more beneficial live microbes than when you eat it compared to like a capsule or are they like kind of the same amount? Yeah, it it doesn't matter if you have your probiotic in a food or in a capsule. What's important is the particular probiotics that are in the product because it's the, as I mentioned, there's a uh, probiotic called LGG. That probiotic has been shown to be effective. So whether that probiotic is in a capsule or a powder or supplement or in yogurt, it's still the bacteria. The only difference can be you may get more live bacteria in the capsule or the supplement other than the food. But um, it doesn't really matter the delivery device used. Oh, okay. So I think that's all the questions that I have today. I've learned so much um, talking to you and thank you so much for being here. I think we have to conclude that probiotics play a lot of um, very essential roles in our body from our digestive health to our immune system and even our mental well-being. 
And um, I would like to extend a very heartfelt gratitude to um, Professor Conway for coming here and sharing her expertise. And to our listeners, I hope that you have found today's episode um, very insightful and that you have gained new knowledge to apply to your own lives. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more exciting exploration in the world of neuronutrition. Bye. Bye.